Hey, this is Pastor Chris with Believer City Church. Listen, I want to thank you for taking the opportunity to listen to this message on today. It's my prayer that something said will encourage you to believe in God, believe in yourself, and believe in others. And with that being said, let's jump straight into the message. Focus. Week two of a great series entitled Focus. This series is centered and built around the pretense that we want to find and fulfill God's vision for our lives. We want to find and fulfill God's vision for our lives. On last week, we begin to open up and understand what is the vision for the church because as people that belong to a church, we should understand the vision of the church. Amen. I think Cam has the vision, and I want to put it on the screen. Our church, Believer City Church, we are a church that desires to be a church filled with people. Catch that. Look at some empty seats to the left of you, to the right of you. We are already violating rule one of our vision. We want to be a church filled with people. But catch this, not just any people. We want to be a church filled with people that have a desire to reach people, an ability to teach people, and a heart to sow into people, but also a willingness to grow people. There's one common denominator about who we are as Believer City Church, and we are a church that is all about the people. It's not about the building. It's not about the lights. It's not about who's singing, who ain't singing, who's dancing who ain't dancing, who's preaching, who ain't preaching. We are a church about the people. We are about reaching people, teaching people, sowing into people, and a willingness to help people grow. Amen? Well, somebody wants to know what that means. Cam, take me to the next slide. Because reaching people is our effort to outreach, to reach out to other individuals. This is what we do. A church cannot grow if it just centrally focuses on the people on the inside of the building. It cannot happen. We have to develop a way to get outside of the box and to reach out to other people. And so we come to understand that we are a church that wants to be grounded with the fact that before we even think about what's going to happen on the inside, we're thinking about what we can do on the outside. We want to reach out to people because people never know that we are willing to embrace them and accept them if we're not reaching out to them. And reaching people requires us to understand that we can't be selfish, but we have to be selfless. That's one of the first things that we come to learn on last week. Not only do we want to reach people and reach people as our outreach, but we come to understand that we also want to teach people. And teaching people is an element of evangelism. Teaching people is an element of evangelism, which, which is what we're going to talk about today. What does it mean to evangelize? So today's message series, message title is simply this, Let's Teach. That's today's message title, Let's Teach. And I want to use a couple of you to help me demonstrate this. So don't be bashful, don't be shy when I call you up because we're going to enjoy our service today. Let, let me use... I want to use, come on, Mike and Mika. Come on, Mike and Mika, let me borrow the, I know she's sleeping. Yeah, that, that's what makes it even more beautiful. Y'all come on up and help me out with this. And let me get y'all a mic because I want to make sure that y'all are extremely productive in what y'all are doing today. All right, so what we're going to do is we're going to play a little game entitled, Give Me Your Best Line. The little game is going to be entitled, Give Me Your Best Line. I'm going to step out the way because I want Mike and Mika to have the stage. Don't, don't get complacent and think that it's just Mike and Mika because I'm going to call on some of y'all in just a minute. So Mika and Mike are married, been married some years. I don't know what Mike's best line was that he got Mika with, 
But I want to see if Mika and Mike were just reliving those glory days. Hopefully it was, it was a little holy. It might not have been all holy. But if Mike and Mika was living those glory days, what would be your best line, Mika? Mika's just coming up out of the blue, walking up on you. What's your best line to, to begin a conversation with Mika? Total strangers. Hi. <laughs> What's your name? <laughs> Mika, what would be your response? What what would be? Oh, okay. You can give me what was if you want. It's up to you. Pass the mic, Mike. <laughs> Pass the mic. I don't need the mic because I was like. <laughs> I it's the same. So Mike came up with this creepy crawler type of approach. Ha! What's your name? And Mika just kind of looked at him with the stank eye, like, "Boy, get your hot breath off me." Right now. She my boo though. She your boo. Somehow it worked out. We don't know how it worked out, but that was my caveman mentality. Okay, so thank let's come on. Let's thank Mike and Mika for their approach. Let's thank Mike and Mika for their approach. Let me let me use I want to use some more people. Uh Madison, you too young. You better not have a line right now. Jeremiah, you better not better not either. Brother Dan, you single. Come on. Come on, single Dan. Let me find another single, single. Come on, Tiny Latanja. Come on, Sister McKnight. Come on up here. Come on up here. I want to see what is it. Yeah, come on. We can give them a hand clap. Awesome, awesome. We, we're using people. We're using people. I want to see total strangers, total strangers walking up and connecting. Dan, you finna put your smack down, down. Deke got it. He, he, look, you got your chest open now. Your chest ain't open today. I, I, I can't see the little chest half. What, what, is, what you got, Dan? If you're walking up, on Sister Latunja McKnight, what's your best line? Give me your best line, Doc. Put that smack down, down. <laughs> what you got, Dan? Here we go. <laughs> Dan don't even know what to say. He's walked up and he's speechless. He doesn't know what to say. Man, this couldn't even work out. Y'all don't even have to say nothing. Come on, let's give him a hand clap of appreciation. We're thankful for him. Listen, this could not have worked out any better had I planned it. Because what we're talking about today is the ability to reach out and talk to people about Christ. And the best two scenarios came out of nowhere today. Believe it or not, most believers struggle with telling other people about Christ. That's why the kingdom isn't growing. That's why the church isn't growing. Because people struggle with telling other people about Christ. And I believe that they struggle with telling other people about Christ because nobody has taught them how to share the gospel. Nobody has taught them how to tell other people about how great Jesus is. And so what happens is some of us, we're going to coin this the Mike philosophy. Some of us have the Mike approach. And what happens is we go with this deep aggressiveness, like, you better talk to me. You need to talk to me. And, and think that we're going to get something out of people. But the truth of the matter is we often push them away. It doesn't mean that they don't need to talk to you. It doesn't mean that what you have to say isn't important to them. But because your approach is so aggressive when you go talk to people, then some people instantly put up a shield and they like, I don't want to hear it. Today, I don't want to hear, uh, don't come to me, talk to me about that Jesus. Keep it to yourself because your approach is all jacked up. And then there's the other group of people like Dan. He gets in front of somebody 
And he just become tongue-tied when it's time to talk about how good Jesus is. He doesn't know what to say. And so guess what happens? Oftentimes he misses opportunities because of the fact that he is with the right people that need to hear the right thing. But because of the fact he's so speechless or he's shy, he's embarrassed, whatever it is, he won't let the words come out of his mouth. And so what happens? People pass him by every day that's supposed to be experiencing the goodness of God. Some of us are Mike. And some of us are Dan because nobody actually taught us how to share the gospel. Everybody talks about evangelism. Everybody talks about go tell somebody about Jesus. Bring somebody to the church. But how often do people really tell you how to do it? How to do it? And as a result of people not teaching you, then every time you approach somebody, there's a spirit of fear that overcomes you. Every time it's your time to tell somebody about Jesus, there's a spirit of fear that rises up inside of you and it keeps your mouth closed. Or there's, or there's this person that thinks they know it all and they're just going to tell everybody else what's wrong with them. And as a result of that mentality, people are not even willing to listen to what you say because the minute you come, they look at you as a, a goody two-shoes, a person that thinks they know everything. And, and the last thing somebody wants them to do, wants somebody to be in their face is somebody that thinks they know everything. Today, I want to spend time teaching you how to teach. I want to spend your time teaching you how to share the gospel. Because if we're going to be a church that exists to teach people, that is going to be equipped to teach people, then that begins with me equipping you on how to teach somebody else. It, it begins with me giving you the level of confidence to be able to share the gospel with somebody else. So go with me to John chapter 4. John chapter 4. I want to believe that there's a great lesson for us to learn about how we should share the gospel. And as you're finding it, simply repeat after me. Say, Father God, I'm here today seeking a word from you. So open my ears that I can hear. Touch my heart so that I will feel. And renewing me a right mind that I will do. This is my prayer. In Jesus' name, all of God's people said, amen. amen. Listen, listen, this, we're going to spend a few moments of your time today dealing with an acronym entitled TEACH because I believe that this acronym will make it simple for you to understand how I'm supposed to interact with people when sharing the gospel. Can I help you realize something that it should not be hard for any believer to tell the truth about who God is? It should not be difficult for anybody to tell the truth about who God is. The only reason that many of us struggle with talking to people about who God is because we lack the confidence to be able to share who God is. In John chapter 4, what you're going to see, I'm not going to read it all. We'll read it all together a little bit later on. But verse 7 through 30, there's a lot that happens within this text. Uh, Jesus has just left a city like he always does, and he enters another city. The Bible says that he's sitting by a well. He's sitting by a well, and there's this woman that is a Samaritan, uh, a Samaritan woman. And what happens is Jesus sees this woman approaching in the heat of the day, drawing water from the well. I want to make 
make sure that you understand something, the history and the background. It was a little bit abnormal for a woman to be walking to the well in the heat of the day. Um, most women walked together as a group early on in the morning before the sun came up. For several reasons, they were safe as a group, they communicated as a group, and it was less heat to, to restrict them as they traveled from where the well was back to the city with their water. And so they often traveled early in the morning as a group. So for a woman to be coming in the mid of the day, in the heat of the day, to fetch water that should have already been fetched in the morning, nine times out of ten, the only reason that this happened is because there was something wrong with this woman. She wasn't able to fellowship with some of the other women. Some of the other women didn't want to take her in. And so, therefore, she did things in a different time because she didn't want to be the one that they were laughing at and talking about. And so here's this woman in the heat of the day fetching water. Pastor, why are you telling me the background of this woman? Because I want to make sure you understand something. One of the first things that you need to realize, if you're going to tell somebody about Christ, quit looking for perfect people. Quit looking for perfect people. It's the people that got a whole bunch of problems that we should be reaching out to more than anything. See, what you're going to find out about this woman as we progress through the text is she had an issue. She had an issue with sleeping with multiple different men, and none of these men were her husband. She had an issue with being in relationships with multiple different men. And so this would call her a prostitute. This would label her a woman that was a street walker. She was not acceptable to everybody else. And so women would talk about them. See, many of us, we want to go find the holiest person in the world and invite them to church. We don't need them. Holy people should already have a house to worship in. We need to find the people who are going through hell who are experiencing drama, the people who have addictions, the people who have problems. Can I remind you that before you, had, you came to the church, you had problems? And for most of us, while we were still living and operating in the church, we still had problems? And it wasn't until we began to spiritually mature in Christ that somehow our problems begin to fade away. Each of us have to get to a point in our lives where we begin to open up to people who have problems. That's who Christ comes for. He comes to heal the sick, to recover sight to the blind. He came to, to deliver those who are lame, to deliver those who are captive. He came to find the people who have the most problems and issue to them a promise. A promise that if they walk with him, then they would have everlasting life. So Jesus is at this well. He's at this well. He has this woman fetching water, and he says to this Samaritan woman, which was another problem because Samaritans wasn't supposed to be in communication with Jews. Jews, as Jesus Christ was, they felt like they were better than everybody else. And so Samaritan, this woman looked at Jesus was like, why are you even talking to me? Because Jesus asked her a question. Jesus says, listen, can you bring me some water? The woman says, why are you even talking to me? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Jews don't have any Dealing with Samaritans, man, this just blesses my world as I begin to think about this and unfold this because I can't help but to think if we can just be honest in the, in the times that we're living in, there's some black people that don't think white people are supposed to talk to them. There's some white people that don't think black people are supposed to talk to them. There's some Catholics that think Christians shouldn't be able to talk to them. We are living in a time that's more segregated than ever because we're choosing to separate ourselves when we don't have to. We're choosing to keep ourselves at a distance. We're choosing from experiencing the greatness that we could possibly have. And this is what this woman is saying. Jesus, you're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Don't talk to me. 
How many people have you missed out on blessing? Or how many times have you missed out on a blessing because somebody doesn't look like you? Because somebody doesn't talk like you? Because somebody doesn't dress like you? They don't come from the same background as you. This woman says, listen, Jesus, I can't fool with you because this is the issue. And Jesus says to her, listen, woman, if you really knew who was asking you for a drink, you would have asked me for a drink. Jesus says, listen, I'm the one that can give you water that lasts forever. You ain't got to worry about nothing. And I can, I can just imagine this woman at the well. She looked at Jesus. You ain't even got nothing to draw water with. Where are you going to get this water, this everlasting water? And the conversation just continues to go on and on, and things begin to happen. But fast forwarding to the end, what takes place is this woman's life is changed forever because of a conversation that began with one line. Jesus' best line is, can you bring me some water? Jesus didn't run up to her talking about, do you got a church home? Do you know Jesus? That wasn't what he did. His best line that changes this woman's life forever. Can I have some water? From a simple opening statement, life transformation began to happen. I'm going to teach you this process that I found in the text, this process that I use, but I want to make sure that you know that I've already tested the process because I don't want to teach anything until I test it. All day yesterday, uh, it's my wife's birthday this week. Come on, let's celebrate that. My wife's birthday this week. Amen. She's awesome. I, I gave her a day off. Now, husbands, I already got threatened by one man in here, but I'm going to bless you. Husbands, I want to bless your world. Uh, if you really want to show your wife that you love her, and especially if you got kids, simply let her get a day without you or the kids. Uh, let her what, remember what it been, her life was like before you came in it. And I promise you, she would appreciate it more than anything. And so I, I gave my wife a day off. I gave her a day off. Uh, I told her I wasn't going to call her. I wasn't going to text her. I don't want to talk to you. I'm going to act like I don't know you. Don't know what I was really thinking. It was a struggle. I'm not going to act like it wasn't. But I gave it to her anyway. And I, I tried to adhere to my rules. Uh, matter of fact, she reached out to me first, and I just took advantage of it and just began to have spiritual diarrhea and just let everything uh, go. <laughs> but she, but she took her day, she took her day off. And so me and my kids, we went out, we went shopping. Uh, Daddy ain't cooking, so we went to IHOP for lunch, and uh, <laughs> we went to a couple of different places uh, for some other stuff. But we went, uh, we found our way to the uh, Burlington's, one of my favorite places. We went to Burlington's, and when we went into Burlington's, what took place is. Uh, we were in line. You know how it is on a weekend. The lines are ridiculous. And, and so usually me and my wife can tag team that thing. She'll tell me right before she gets to the end to go stand in line. That way I hold the place with the basket, and she just creeps up with the last-minute items. I didn't have my helpmate today, so I had to do it on my own. Uh, but what I did is I just got in line, and I just started. I busted out with an old hymn or something. I was just singing it to myself, and I heard, I heard the man in front of me. He, he kind of mumbled it a little bit, and then uh, what I thought was his sister, I mean, what I thought was his wife, which later became, his, I found out was his sister, uh, kind of looked at him and told him, shh, be quiet. And, and, uh, and I, I kind of just said, man, don't let nobody stop your praise. You know, I just kind of just threw that thing out there, and they both laughed. They both laughed. And before you know it, we engaged in a conversation. We engaged in a conversation. I was like, man, how are you doing? Man, my name is Chris. And they told me their name, and I was like, uh, they was asking about these headphones. I talked to them about the headphones. 
And I was like, you know what, man, I got some invite cards in my pocket. Listen, man, I just, if, I don't know if you have a church. I heard him singing a hymn. I, I know he knows something about Jesus. I don't, if you need, need to know anything, let me know. But I want to invite you to come out and, and worship with us. I want to invite you to experience what we have going on. And, man, we were in this line, and this lady just said, you know, I go to Friendship West right now. And so my thing is, are you a member or do you just attend? What's happening? And she was like, really, I've just been attending for two years. I don't do anything. No, I just go when I go. And I say, well, how are you growing? And she's like, well, you know, I'm growing from one aspect but not really another aspect. And, you know, that was just my way to creep on in. Well, that's totally fine. Uh, well, listen, I don't know if we have what you need, but I want to invite you to come and experience. Man, we end up talking about the fact, hopefully, they'll be here next week. Uh, name is Mary and Matthew. Uh, they, we had a great opportunity, a great opportunity to connect and communicate. And as a result of it, what ends up happening, we leave and they literally reach out to the car. Pastor, we will be there. Listen, we want to connect with you. But all of this started because of a simple conversation that happened because of me busting a one-liner. We all have to know that all it takes to share Christ is one line. And the thing is about that one line, believe it or not, that one line has nothing to do with the Bible. That one line that you can use to invite somebody to know Jesus or invite somebody to be a part of your church has nothing to do with the Bible. Jesus simply asked the question, <laughs> can I have some water? Can I have some water? Which from the obvious on the outside, it looked very simple. Hey, you're fetching water out of the, out of the well. Can you bring me a glass of water, a pitcher of water? And from there, he ends up taking something in the natural and leading it to the supernatural. I want to show you this in the text, and I want to show you the, the outline of how this takes place. One of the first things that you have to understand, if you're going to teach somebody about who Christ is, and we're dealing with this acronym, the first thing that you have to be willing to do is you have to be willing to talk to them, not at them. That's the first thing that you have to be willing to do. You have to be willing to talk to them, not at at them. In other words, you cannot come up to people and just begin to bark off things to them as if you're casting out a demon at them when you're really trying to win them so that God can remove whatever's going on in their life out of them. I want to show you I want to show you in the text how Jesus talks to her and not at you. Go with me to John chapter 4, verse 7 through 9. I want to read these verses to you. I want, to, I want you to see this conversation begins to unfold. This is what happens. Uh, Jesus uh, leaves uh, this place of Judah, and he's coming in, and the Bible says, There came a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Verse 9. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, ask me for a drink since I'm a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You know what I, I see when they say Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? This is what I see, which is us happening today. Christians have no dealings with sinners. Which should be the biggest exposed lie in the world. That Christians have no dealings with sinners. Because catch this, all a Christian is is a recovering sinner. That's, you in your AA meeting right now. You are a recovering sinner. This is why we come to meetings once a week, every week. Because we're trying to keep from going back 
and being who we used to be because somewhere buried in this flesh, it's still there. I need y'all to really understand that. Just because you save does not remove sin from your life. Paul said it like this. Every day I have to beat my flesh up under submission. In other, day, in other ways, every time I wake up, I want to do something wrong, but I have to force myself to do something right. I have to remind myself that I'm still human, but I have a spiritual responsibility because of my relationship with God. I have to check myself before I wreck myself. And if we can have this mentality, then when we approach somebody else that's going through, we approach somebody else that life ain't all together, we would spend more time talking to them instead of at them. Besides this formula, I carry no game plan with me when I go share somebody about Christ, share with somebody about Christ. There's nothing else. I don't, I don't have my Bible. I'm not taking, I'm not walking like, like some of the old saints, not nothing against them. They was right. It was for that time. But I want to show you what consistently worked. I'm not walking around with my sword. Hey, how you doing today, sister? Let me take your time. I just want to make sure you know you're going straight to hell if you don't know Jesus. That, that's not how I'm, I'm coming. We're going to get to that reality. And the truth of the matter is most of the people that we're approaching, especially in our country, they already know that. All I need to simply go, hey, man, man them some nice boots. Where, where did you get them from? Oh, man, I mean, Burlington's one of my favorite stones. You know, it keeps me covered just like Jesus do. I get a good coat. It's just simply I just dropped it in <laughs> off a good one-liner. But it took me to talk to her, not at her. Many of the times, the reason why we can't move anywhere in life, and kisses, I want to help somebody relationship too, because some of our relationships, our communication and our relationships are not going anywhere. It's steady ending up in conflict because we started talking at each other instead of talking to each other. You know what happens when you talk to somebody? When you talk to somebody, that means you give them room and opportunity to respond. When you talk at somebody, you just, you just need them to be there so I can spiritually or emotionally dump on you. Can I tell you something? Nobody wants to be dumped on. Nobody wants you to explode on them. So, so all this energy that you're taking at home, getting this Bible, everybody going wrong at the job, that's all right, devil, I'm going to get you tomorrow. When I get home, when I get to work with this girl tomorrow, I'm going to quote, Corinthians chapter 2, such and such, such and such, such and such, 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 and you get to work and you're just ready to file off on somebody. And you expect them to embrace that? Can I help you understand something? Whatever word that you're preparing for somebody else is a word that you really should prepare for yourself. Before you go decide to throw some swords and knives at somebody else, use them on yourself. Best way to deal with conflict is to talk to them. Listen, I don't know what I did to get on your nerves. Every day I notice that it seems like you're upset with me. Is there something I can do better? And believe it or not, that person might, you know what, it's not you. I'm going through this, and my husband just left me, or such and such took this place. I never can do anything right. Bam, the door is open. Now that we're communicating, I'm talking to you, not at you we can get somewhere. Jesus begins his conversation with this young lady saying, let me talk to you. Can I have some water? <laughs> you talking to me? 
Why are you talking to me? You supposed to be better than me. You Samaritans are better than Jews. What is there that I can possibly offer you? And that's all Jesus needed was for somehow the door to be open. I dislike taking my kids to the store with me. I don't know how my wife does it. They can't keep their hands off something. I told my son yesterday at Burlington, you ain't getting no cleats. I'm not buying them. And somehow from the rack where the cleats were all the way up to the register, the cleats were still in his hand. I don't know if he thought I was going to change my mind or what's going to happen, but the cleats came with them. But this is the catch. His behavior allowed another parent in line to laugh at me because she experienced the same thing. Guess what happened? The door opened. Your kids always act like that. Man, you know what? As children of Jesus, sometimes we do the exact same thing. <laughs> we, we be bringing people along with us that we ain't even supposed to bring. The door is open. All we need is for a conversation to begin. But in order for a conversation to begin, you have to be willing to what? Talk to them and not at them. There's a second principle that Jesus teaches us within this text. Not only do we have to be willing to talk to them and not after them, but he says that what? We have to explain things so that they can understand. I know you went to church. I know you feel high and mighty because you learned something new that nobody else knows. But can you take the time to explain it to them in a way that they understand? Your pastor goes to uh, Bible college right now. Your pastor uh, goes to GCU, Grand Canyon University, which is a Christian college. I'm trying to finish up my bachelor's in Christian studies to move on to my master's. And in class, they deal with a whole bunch of words that hurt my head. I could spend the time to come to church on Sunday morning using these vocabulary words on y'all, which have never probably went to Bible college, and act like I know all of this stuff just because I learned it last week, and you leave here not able to apply it, but you're steady asking me how to spell it just so you can use it on somebody else. And can I tell you something? We're not helping anybody. We're not helping anybody. Here it is. Jesus has all knowledge, all power, all understanding. He could have blew this lady's mind just making up words out of nowhere. But when she asked Jesus, why is you talking to me? He begins to, he begins to communicate her in a way that she can understand. He says, I'm going to talk to you. So if I'm going to talk to you, I'm going to explain things to you in a manner that you can understand. Look at what happens in verse 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11, this is what we see. Jesus answers. This is what he says. He says to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. She says to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? Catch this, catch this. Jesus not only talks to her, but Jesus begins to explain things to her in what? A way that requires her to ask him questions back. See, many of us, when we're talking to somebody, we want to act like we know it all. And so what happens is people become intimidated to communicate with us about who Christ is because of the fact that they don't want to sound illiterate. They don't want to sound like they don't know anything. It's embarrassing to be 35 years old and not know the first three books of the Bible. It's embarrassing, it's embarrassing not to know what John 3.16 means for anybody that has grown up in church. But the truth of the matter is 
that it's not our job to make them feel smaller than what they are. Jesus simply says to her, if you knew who I really was, you would have asked me to give you water, the everlasting water, the water that never runs out. They thirst no more. This woman just, you ain't even got nothing to draw with. Where are you going to get some water from, Jesus? I mean, she didn't know it was Jesus at that time. Well, where are you going to get some water from? He begins to explain things to her in ways that she can understand. It opens the floor for communication. It's okay to be deep, but let's not be that deep. Jesus spends most of his time in the Bible, in the New Testament, sharing with us everything through parables. Why? Because he, it was a, we were able to relate to it and understand it better. That's our responsibility. As a, as a Christian, your responsibility is not to make becoming a disciple, to becoming a Christian harder than what it needs to be. It doesn't have to be that hard. It should be a little simpler than what we make it. But in order for that to take place, you have to be willing to talk to people and explain to people things in a manner that they can understand. In other words, take what you learn and find out how do I break this down on a level that they can understand. Do you know when Jesus was talking to groups of people, he was always talking to three groups of people. I shared this with our Bible study group, I think, on this past Wednesday. He was always talking to a, a group of believers who were probably always there, the disciples. He was talking to a group of people who wanted to believe, and he was talking to a group of people that just wouldn't believe at all, the Pharisees and scribes. There were always a group of people around him, but Jesus shared one message that penetrated them all. Whatever he would say, he would say it in such a way that each one of them would not leave there baffled and confused. He always explained it in a manner that they could understand. Some of you can have a better impact with people on your job, in your family. If you quit just going around talking about, oh, you just don't know how good Jesus is. He's holier than holy. What does that mean? What does holier than holy really mean? Oh, he's my El Shaddai, my Elohim. What do I, so, who? Why does he have so many names? We are spending so much time. It's good to know these things. But you didn't know them on day one either. So don't try to make somebody else feel bad just because you, you know what y'all are when y'all act like that? Y'all a bunch of Christian bullies. That's what y'all becoming. Y'all going around, y'all bullying on little sinners that don't know no better just because you didn't learn something and you shouldn't even be acting like that. Jesus didn't give you, if Jesus was here, he'll knock all of us upside the head. Because we should not be behaving in that manner. He explained it to us in a manner that we can understand. So why can't we take the time to explain it to them? Because of the fact when we realize that when we talk to them and not at them, and we do so in a manner that explains them things to them in a way that they can understand, then it leads them to do what she just did, ask questions. And, and the A represents that we should be willing to answer any question that they have. We as believers should be willing to answer any questions that they have. Look at verse 12 and 14. 12 and 14, 12 through 14. You are not greater than our father Jacob, this is her speaking, are you who gave us this well 
and drank of it himself, his sons, and his cattle. Verse 13, Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up eternal to eternal life. Catch this. Jesus talks to her and not at her. Jesus explains things to her so that she can understand. And she asks him a question. Are you better than Jacob? Because Jacob is the one that blessed us with this well. Jacob lived off this well. His sons lived off this well. His cattle lived off this well. And I know that Jacob is blessed by God. So who is you? And Jesus says, I'm not going to get in a battle with you, little mama. Jesus says it just like this. He says, if you really knew who I was, then you would have asked me. And he says, matter of fact, the water that I give the person is going to be a water that lasts forever. He just begins to continue to communicate with us. Some of us are afraid to talk to people about Christ because we're afraid of the questions that they're going to ask. We're afraid that we don't know the answer. Can I tell you something? The best way to share the gospel is simply just talk about what you know and not about what you don't know. That's the best way to share the gospel. Don't be getting half a scripture from Sunday and coming and trying to slap somebody over the face with it and you don't even know the history, the theology, where it came from. This is just something that pastor said, and it worked on me, so it better work on you. This is why many women who come to church go home and they still have hell in their marriage because they're going home fighting their husband with things that they shouldn't even be fighting them with. Instead of praying for them and you walking out the word, you're steady fighting them. Listen, I'm not, I don't, I'm not one to put my family business out in the street, but we go through things in life just because we learn from it. I love my dad. Him and my mom got divorced about when I was 20, 21 years old. Uh, my mom had always been a Christian going woman. My dad had all, not always been a faith man. He, he was doing his own thing. Thank God for him now. We got him. Listen, just wait that thing out. He'll come on in. But this is what happened. I remember times growing up that my mom would get what she called and what we know as a rhema word. This was a new, unique word just for me. And she would go home ready to throw all, all on them and, and just instigate altercations with them because of what she learned at church. But not understanding that what you learned at church was for you to live out first. And, and I doubt to believe had, had time allowed itself to grow, and, and had we understand that one gives the seed, one waters, and God gives the increase, just maybe they might have still been married today. I don't believe that people make it 18, 20 years in marriage and all of a sudden just check out. Something goes wrong. And so oftentimes what we have to understand is sometimes we do stay in the wrong place for too long, but sometimes the, 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 the physical, spiritual, emotional abuse, it just becomes too much. And, and we just have to say goodbye. And so what we have to realize, maybe if our approach is different, then people will stick around. My, my daddy used to tell me all the time, son, you'll catch more flies with honey. I'm not going to finish the rest of the statement. That, that's what he used to tell me. Y'all know what it is. Sometimes we just got to be sweeter instead of acting like we don't stink. Jesus talks to her. Jesus explains it to her. But Jesus is not afraid to answer any question she brings. See, many of us, we want to control the way the conversation goes. 
When we open the door to talk to somebody about Christ, we want to begin to control what we will and what we don't ask. You know, sometimes I, I have to be prepared when people ask me questions about the Bible and I don't know the answer that I have to say, I don't know, but if I can get your phone number, I'll call you right back and let you know. Uh, there, there was this new religion, new, not new, new to the, to the Western culture that came up called the Hebrew Israelites. Took a wave of young people just by force. They take the Bible, manipulate it, do what they want to do. And they, were, they, they, don't, they don't really adhere to anything in the New Testament. They just live with the Old Testament. And it was questions when I first started, when this wave first started coming and I began to talk to them. And, and, and it was like, well, what about this? And we're the true this and we're the true that. And, and the crazy thing is, you know what, one of the best things that God gave me? Well, Christ is the true vine. Everything that comes to life comes through him. So why are you stressing about who was this and who was that? Who was first and who was last? It doesn't make any difference because the Bible says what the last will be first. So in other words, you can be first. I'll settle for last. Well, we know that the Jews were God's chosen people, but somehow the Samaritans and everybody else through God's grace found their way in. So, so what? I'm equal to you. You're not better than me. I'm not better than you. In the eyes of God, we are all equal. So sometimes we have to understand that we have to be willing to answer people's questions to the best of our ability. And can I tell you something? You can win more people by telling people, you know what? I don't know. But let me call somebody that does know. Let me call somebody that does know and, and let me get right back to you on that. And then because you take the effort to find the answer to their question and you go back to them and give them the answer, that makes them feel even more appreciated. Because believe it or not, whatever they're studying now, there's a bunch of unanswered questions that they don't know the answer to already. So instead of telling them, getting an attitude with them, fussing and fighting with them, answer whatever question they have, even if the answer is, I don't know. But let me find out. So Jesus shows us we talk to them, we explain to them, we answer whatever they're asking us. And this is the part I really love. If you're really going to share the gospel with somebody, if you're going to talk, if you're going to explain, if you're going to answer, then you have to be willing to challenge them to change. You don't believe me. Look in the text, verse 15 through 19. There's an exchange that happens. She's questioning Jesus about who he is. Jesus tells him about who he is and what they can get. Then she goes, here's the woman. She opens her mouth again because the dialogue is going to keep on coming. You know the reason she's talking to him? Because he has not yet offended her. He has not caused her to shut down. He has not caused her to start looking at her phone and texting. Uh, he's taken everything, every opportunity to share the gospel. And this is what happens. He goes on and he says, she asks him a question. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. Now, I want to pause right there. I want to put a pen in it. I want to make sure that you understand something. This is what happens. Jesus is explaining something to her that she doesn't even understand the total validity of. She doesn't even understand the total value of. But what happens is she asks the right question so that now he can give her the proper answer. This, this question that she says, give me this water so that, I can, uh, so that I can drink from it and never have to come here and draw again. In other words, make my life simpler right now. 
I'm tired of having to walk down here in this heat. I'm tired of people having to lie, laugh at me and talk to me. I'm tired of going through this every day, all day. So give me this water, Jesus, that you're talking about so I don't have to come here anymore. The reason why I love this statement that she makes to Jesus, because you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of when people say to me, why are you always happy? It's a good question. I'm glad you asked. I'm happy because this joy that I have, the world didn't give it to me. It's not about how much money I make. It's not about who I'm dating, who I ain't dating. It ain't about what shoes I got on. Man, this joy I got right here is the joy that comes from Christ. Man, it's a peace that surpasses all understanding. But can you tell me, how do you get this? Why does it feel so good? It opens up the door for us to communicate. So this is what happened. She asked the question. And this gives Jesus the opportunity to challenge her because what happens, verse 16, he says to her, go call your husband and come here. Now, up until this point, Jesus, knowing all things, hadn't thrown her dirt up in her face. But because she asked the question on how do I make my life better? How do I keep from going through this drama? How do I stay out of debt? How do I establish peace? How do I begin to live more healthier? Jesus goes and he says to her, go get your husband and you come back and talk to me. Now that, that moment made that woman's heart drop. It made her heart drop. How do we know that? Look at verse 17. Look at verse 17. This is what it said. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you have correctly said, I have no husband. Look what he goes on to say, verse 18. He says, for you have five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. This you have said truly. Verse 19, the woman said, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. I want you to look at everything that just happened. She said, I'm tired of living the life that I'm living. I want a better life. Give me what you're talking about. Jesus said, in order for me to give you what I'm talking about, first thing that we have to do is identify what's wrong in your life. And he says to her, bring me your husband. Because Jesus already knew that she was loose. She was slipping, sleeping around with multiple different, I'm just going to be real. Jesus already knew it. Y'all didn't come here for fakeness today. Jesus already knew she had problems. He knew that when he asked for the water, but he did not throw that in her face. In other words, just because you see somebody doing crack, don't go up to them and hey, you're a crackhead, man. Just because you see somebody that is struggling in a relationship, they cheat, man, why are you always cheating on your wife? That is not the way to approach people because when you approach people with their problem, the first thing that they do is they become defensive. Get out my business. That's the first thing. Get out my business. You don't know me. Quit judging me. Why do you think you better than me? So Jesus says, I ain't going to even come at you like that. Can I just have some water? And then he begins to hold a conversation with her that leads up to this. You know what? I do want a better life. I don't want to be in this situation that I'm in. I do want to live better. Jesus says, well, if you want to live better, let's talk about your problem. Go get me your husband. You and your husband come talk to me. 
And because her heart was sincere, she was tired of going through pain. She was tired of having these problems. This is what she says. I have no husband. Because she's ashamed. She don't need nobody else to tell her her problem. She know what her problem was. Nobody's marrying me because I'm giving myself to everybody. And Jesus says, just like that song earlier says, I have no shame. We don't have no reason to be ashamed. Jesus basically says, man, pick your head up, man. I thank you for telling the truth. I thank you for admitting what your problem is. He says, you spoke right because you've had five husbands. Why did Jesus say she had five husbands? Because of the fact that went back then, whoever you lay with, that consummated marriage. And so in other words, she had been with five different men. And the Bible said that, listen, there was no, even the one you with now is not your husband. So now they went from five to six. Instantly. Instantly. Jesus found the opportunity to open up and say, you know what? This is the place where we challenge people to change. You can't reach a place of challenge until you talk, you explain, and you answer. You don't know why somebody is going through what they're going through. You don't know what the person's struggle is, what their addictions are. You can't force anybody to do anything they don't want to do. She came to Jesus and says, I want something different. Jesus says, okay, I can give it to you, but this is what you have to do. You have to realize that the people that you're fooling with, the life that you're living is not right. If we can be honest, many of us are still at this point where we've been challenged to change, but we have not yet changed. And this is why we struggle with our faithfulness to Christ. This is why we struggle with our faithfulness to the kingdom, to the church, because we have not really changed. We want to know better. We want to do better. But nobody has really, has really challenged us to change. We hadn't, had, we hadn't found somebody that we can really be open with about what our problems are. Because the truth of the matter is that if you have a problem, but you have not openly and verbally expressed your problem, then it's your secret. And the things about secrets is as long as they stay a secret, I can keep hiding them. But when I'm willing to express and open up and talk about them, then it gives me an opportunity for somebody to challenge me to change. See, I'm trying to help y'all today because we're not just going to be a church that play to be church. The reason why we call people and give them an opportunity to come to the altar to, 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 to whisper in somebody's ear what their addiction is, to whisper in somebody's ear what they're going through, what they need prayer for. It's not so that somebody can talk to you and can talk about you, but for two reasons. Number one, they can challenge you to do better. We're going to pray about this thing together, and we're going to challenge you to do better. And then the thing is, not only do they challenge you, the fifth principle, the last principle, they have to be well, willing to help them along the way. You can't challenge nobody that you ain't willing to help. It's not possible. It's not permissible. Matter of fact, keep your mouth off of them. If you're not willing to do something to help them, don't say anything about it. So that means when you go home and you see a crackhead, you better keep your mouth closed. If you're not going to do nothing to help them, you got to keep your mouth closed. Because if you're not willing to help, all you're doing is hurting them. They know what they are. They know what they're going through. They don't need nobody else to tell them anything else. Jesus says, you know what, I'm not just going to talk about 
you. He says, I'm going to help you. Look at what happens in the text, verse 20 through 24. She says, listen, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet because now she can identify something's great about him because he, he's told the truth about her. And then we go on in the text, it says, our fathers worship in this mountain. This is what she's saying to Jesus. She's saying to Samaritans, we worship in this mountain. And you people say that in Jerusalem is the place where men are to worship. Why is she talking about this? Because she's trying to find out what do I need to do? How do I get right from here? Says you people say that we should worship in Jerusalem. I love what Jesus says because many pastors, many preachers miss this. And I want you to listen. Put your listening ears on. Hear it. Jesus says to her, woman, believe me. An hour is coming when neither in the mountain nor in Jerusalem you will worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming, and now is when the true worshipers, catch this, will worship the Father in what? Spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. I want to show you what just happened. Jesus says, I know you think you're wrong for worshiping in the mountain. And I know the Jews think they're right for worshiping in Jerusalem. And I know you... You worship what you do not know because you don't know the Messiah. You don't, you've never seen God. you never experienced it. But you worship what you do not know. And I know the Jews think they worship what they think they know. But this is what he says. This is the, this is the shift. But an hour is coming. Where I don't care if you're in a mountain or if you're in a Jerusalem. I don't care if you're a Samaritan or a Jew. What is this hour? The hour where Jesus is crucified on the cross. It doesn't matter if you're black, it doesn't matter if you're white, if you're done being green, if you're from Texas, if you're from Oklahoma, it, well, maybe from Oklahoma. But it, it, it doesn't matter because the hour is coming. The hour is coming. When all God wants is the people who are going to worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, the people who are going to give God his all. The hour is coming. So Jesus says at this moment, I'm not going to only condemn you for what you've done. I'm going to help you. I'm going to tell you that there's a, there's a chance for redemption. There's an opportunity for your life to be changed forever. This is what you have to do. This is why we have to put kingdom before we push the church. The church grows because the kingdom grows. But many of us are not equipped to tell somebody about the kingdom, so all we do is tell them about the church. I want you to see what happens. We go and we have our little invite cards, which is cool. It's great. And we go and push, hey, do you have a church home? Can you come to my church? The only reason we do that is to cover up the fact that we don't know how the kingdom talk. We don't know how to tell people about Jesus. We don't know how to invite people to know Christ. You should invite people to know Christ first. You have to be willing to talk to them, explain things. You have to be willing to answer questions. Challenge them to do better in areas of their life and be willing to help them along the way. You can't help people that your heart has a desire to hurt. Jesus came to this woman. He talked to this woman at the well. He could have ignored her. He could have moved on, but he, he had a desire to help her. 
And the reason why I love what Jesus is doing, because this is not on my notes. I don't even know if I gave Cam the scripture, because I want to read the last stanza of this text for you, verse 25 through 30. Look what happens because somebody does this, because Jesus talks to them. Because, come on, give it back to me, Cam. I'm over here walking. I'm over here talking. Come on. Because Jesus talks to them. Jesus explains to them. Jesus answers. Jesus challenges. Jesus helps. This is what happens. Go to verse 25. Verse 25, Cam. This is what happened. The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. In other words, I know Jesus is real. I know that the Messiah is coming, he who calls himself Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. So she knows that the hour is coming. Verse 26, Jesus said to her, catch this, I who speak to you am he. Verse 27, at this point, his disciples came and they were amazed. So catch this, Jesus didn't need a whole crew to do what he do. Jesus did this thing on his own. He didn't need everybody else. Disciples went and got food. You know why sometimes it's better to come as an individual instead of a crew? Because people get intimidated by the crew. But they can, they're willing to discuss things at an individual. Some people won't tell you the truth about who they are when your crew is with you. So this is why we don't have to wait till we have an impact Saturday where everybody comes together and reaches out. We go out and hit the community. Sometimes you just need to deal with people one-on-one. This is what happens. At this point, the disciples came, and they were amazed that he had been speaking with a woman. Yeah, because they don't even know what to do themselves. Yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why do you speak with her? Verse 28, so the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, oh, stop right there, what men? What men do you think she went and got? The six. She went and got that five plus one. The ones that she had a relationship with. Catch this, because sinners, when they get saved, you know the first person they reach out to? Other sinners. They reach out to people who they know are jacked up. And so this is what happens. She reaches out. The woman left with her water pot. And she left her water pot there. So she came to drop water. What she was trying to do didn't even matter anymore. She left that there because she was on a better assignment now and went into the city and said to the men, verse 29, catch this, come see a man who told me all things that I have done. This is not, this is not the Christ, is it? She begins with her one-liner. They went out to the city and were coming to him. Catch this. This is what happened. She invites them to come see a man that has told me everything that I've done. Do you know what the men felt at that moment? If they told you everything that you've done, they know everything I've done. Let me see this man. Because I can't have him go back and tell my wife on me. Let me go see this man. And so he goes, they go. And when you read later on in the text, I want to challenge you to read the rest of the text. This is what happens. Their life changes. Those men, not just her life changes, because Jesus had one conversation with one individual, six more individuals come, and their life changes. And this is what I love about them. When at the end of the text, when their life changes, this is, what they say to Jesus, this is what they say to the woman. Listen, we know that he's the Messiah, but we know it not because of what you say, but because of what we've experienced. Stop trying to get people to know Jesus just because of what you know. Lead people to their own experience. That's the greatest thing about our faith. It's not about just coming to church and hearing a preacher preach and I'm just going to do what the preachers say. It's about I know Jesus is real because of how I felt Jesus move in my life. I know God is real because of what God has done for me and my own. The thing that can't nobody else take from you. When everybody else want to prove to you every reason why God can't be real, you can say, well, explain thing to me because I know God did this. I prayed about it. Nobody else knew about it and it came through on my behalf. Ain't no coincidence. Ain't no chance. Only thing that can make this happen is God. 
I know who God is. And this is what happens because one person says, I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to explain things to you. I'm going to answer. I'm going to challenge. I'm going to help you. Because one person is willing to commit to that. She goes on and do some great things. And guess what happens? She leads six other peoples to Christ. The kingdom grows. And guess what begins to happen? The church grows. But it all took by one person investing in one person. By one person learning that the way to win souls is not by beating them with the Bible. That's not what the Bible is here for. Can I, tell, can I, can I really help you? If I can just really be honest, some of you might quit and leave my church after this. The Bible was not written for the sinner. It was written for the safe. The Bible was listed so that it can be instructions for us to behave. So can I tell you something? Every time you see somebody doing something wrong in the Bible, you should begin to examine yourself first before you want to say, oh, that's some some sinners. Sinners ain't walking around with Bibles. Who's walking around with Bibles? Christians. So the lessons in it to learn is for us. It's like being in history class. You don't take History 1301 with a History 1302 book. History 1301 requires you to have a 1301 book, which means that you have to learn what your class has. The book, the Bible is our book. Quit looking at it as a book that teaches you how to point fingers. I think the old saints used to say, every finger you point at one, you got three fingers pointing back. Four? Okay, my bad. Four fingers. I guess you're pointing like that. You have to get to a point in your own life where you begin to better yourself so that you can begin to help people better themselves. You can't make anybody better, but you can be used by God to plant a seed. Somebody else is going to water the seed. And at the end of the day, God is going to give the increase. This is how we should be willing to share the gospel. This is how we should be willing to make an impact. So when we say that we want to be a church that reaches and a church that equips people to teach, that has the ability to teach, this is the ability to teach. You don't have to have a Bible study lesson to win somebody to Christ. You just have to have a testimony. What has God done for you? How can God do the same thing for somebody else? And when you're willing to express, when you're willing to take this life application and apply it to your process, the kingdom grows and the church grows. And that's what we should be about. Kingdom grow first, church grow second. We should have a desire to teach people about who Christ is. This alone should give you the opportunity to rid yourself of any fear about sharing the gospel. But you have to be willing to commit to following this step because these steps is what can lead to success. It worked for Jesus, so it can work for you. Let me pray. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity.